I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part, for every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Podcast like it. Just podcast like it. Podcast like it's night. Welcome to Podcast Like It's 1999. I'm your host, Phil Liskov, And with us today is friend of the pod, past and future guest, uh, EVP and head of creative development at Shondaland, Allison Akel. Uh, and we're going to talk about episode 120, Connections, which uh, aired on May 11th, 1999. It was written by Andrea Newman and directed by Danny Liner. Is that how we say his last name? Don't know. Maybe? Anyway. Sure. Uh, so now. we're going to be talking about that episode. But, but let's start... Um, Let's take let's let's find out about Alison Akel in 1999 a little bit more because that's what the world wants. Um, how did Felicity come into your life in 99? Did you watch it in 99? You know what? I was a hardcore the WB fan my senior year of high school, which was 97 98 school year. Sure. I line up exactly age wise, not with Carrie Russell, but with with Felicity the character and um, Ben Covington and all of them. <laughs> I started my freshman year of college in 1998 in Washington D.C. I finished in 02. So my run of college like matched the show's run. And uh, the thing about freshman year of college, and it's funny because when you think about making shows about college, the thing everyone always talks about is people in college aren't going to watch it because people in college don't really watch TV. And freshman year, that was true. I really didn't watch anything. Um, too busy soaking it all up. Just living that life, right? You were just, you were too cool. That's basically yeah. what it comes down to. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's exactly, let's just go with that narrative. <laughs> and, um, but weirdly enough, sophomore year, we got to move into these like apartments. There was this fun mm-hmm. slash terrifying, you know, Game of Thrones lottery for not having to live in a dorm, but to live in like these apartments. Okay. So three of my closest best friends there and I moved into an apartment, um, 
and we like painted the walls red and like brought in all these cool like textiles and like really thought we were grown ups. And one of those people who led the design was my friend Caroline, who had long, gorgeous, curly hair, like mm-hmm. really had like a very cool Carrie Russell vibe, cooler than Felicity, but had that vibe. And um, sophomore year, she said, you know, my family, like my aunt keeps telling me there's a show that's about me. And she's like, I think she truly just meant a young woman with long, curly hair who goes to college. Did you and have curly so, hair? I'm sorry? Did you have curly hair? I'm sorry. No, no, no. This I, is my, this my is roommate. My apologies. Okay. Yeah. Yes, and I, I had like fallen off the WB train, even though I used to watch all of it. So sure. sophomore year, we really got back in. It was like Dawson's Creek, Roswell, Felicity, right, right, right. Jack and Jill, popular. Like name it. We watched it. <laughs> and um, it was a really, I think that was the year, second season, it went to Sunday nights. Yes. Because I have like yeah. a very definitively distinct memory of just like th- that nice release, like it was in high school, to like finish your work for the weekend and be like, okay, I'm taking a couple hour break. We're just going to watch these shows and feel the feelings. And so that that was my, and then I got into it. I got into yeah. it belatedly at a time where you couldn't really go rewatch season one. Nope. So watching and preparing for this podcast was re- revelatory. Like I. <laughs> Cover a lot of. I know we're not here to talk about the pilot, but they cover a lot of ground in the pilot. Yep. And I knew some might say like, too much ground. <laughs> I will. I will perhaps back that up, but ambitious. I like it. And and so that and it's so weird too because so much of her experience, um, like culturally, lines mm-hmm. up with things I do remember. Like even just rewatching it now, I'm like, oh right, we took notes in notebooks, and kids in college now just like write on their laptops. Yep. Dean and DeLuca could not have been hotter. There was one in Georgetown that we would all like oh, really? dream about having enough money to shop there. <laughs> and just be like, like, oh, maybe yeah. someday we'll get gummy worms and like sparkling water there. Uh, it's like Jones I, on third now. Yes. Oh yeah. And it, it yeah, was yeah, like, yeah. it was such a phenomenon. I really yeah. forgot about that genuinely. Yeah. Um, and they had the fancy one at Rockefeller center. Too. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was like my way into it. And I didn't watch it consistently, but obviously years go by. And I think it kind of just earwormed its way into my conscious of, I felt like I had watched it all. Mm -hmm. And I knew about key storylines that people would talk about. And obviously it's such a fan favorite, like in the mid 2000, I guess in 2007, right? Like somebody named it one of the 100 most important best TV shows of all time. Yep. And, um, revisiting it was crazy because, um, a few years ago, through Shondaland, mm-hmm. obviously Scott Foley had been one of the stars of Scandal, mm-hmm. and um, he came to us with an idea for kind of a How I Met Your Mother hybrid multicam that he and Greg Grunberg, no joke, had come up with the idea for in the trailer on the set of Felicity. And so That's that was so such funny. a surreal kind of sure, sure. Full circle, just like spending late nights in the edit bay with those two. And <laughs> I kind of, I was just like, oh my god, this is a little surreal that Nolan, yeah. Sean, and I are finishing a pilot for, for ABC um, with also Greg Mettler, who was the showrunner and you know, Betsy in there. It was just, it was weird. And I like remember watching, rewatching some of the promos. And the thing I think I'm most embarrassed about is when Scott was in my office and I'm like, did you see this promo? And it was like the weirdest, like every star of the WB ever in like a really important feeling kind of musical montage <laughs> stage thing. And I was like, mm-hmm. do you have any, like stories and i just felt like such a nerd about it but i, I had i had to take my one shot to try to get the inside <laughs> scoop but sure so sure it came back it came back into my How life could you not? yeah i was like look i'm not gonna look i i know what an opportunity when i see one 
But, um, it was, it was such a fun experience and also kind of a way to like re-experience Felicity. And, um, and yeah, so that has been like my, my kind of full circle. So when you asked me to come on the podcast, I was like, what a great excuse to try to really like start from the beginning. I did not finish all of them. I got like five, four in and then jumped to 120. Uh, which we'll be mm-hmm. discussing today. But after this podcast, I will probably just go pick things up at five again. Cause it's, it's really, I mean, I, I've obviously I've said this on, on other episodes, but there's something very comforting about this show. Something. Um, it's wildly, <laughs> oh my God, even the way it's shot is just like yes. a cozy sweater. It's so warm. It's all in these like brown hues. It's, it's yeah. also obviously a, a fictionalized version of New York City. Uh, yeah. I've never lived in New York. Uh, it was shot in Los Angeles. They did a little bit of, uh, of yeah, exteriors in New York, um, which, I mean, back in the day, that was a lot more common because broadcast television made a lot more money. <laughs> so mm-hmm. you had, you know, ER going to Chicago pretty frequently um, or West Wing going to Washington. But um, it's interesting to watch this show and see how they kind of blended Los Angeles and New York into this kind of fantasy version of college, Yeah, which which is just really, really welcoming let's just put it that way and yet it didn't gloss over things like i remember the episode where they throw finally a party in kelvin hall like the the audio Mm -hmm. cassette tape episode it's like oh there's like beer keg like i didn't know how they were how how they were gonna play that part of it Mm -hmm. um but they drink and they're not drinking age no not and it's very realistic that in new york at that time i remember our friend and friend of the pod Mm -hmm. ashley lyle she went to columbia Mm -hmm. there were plenty of places we would go in new york that would just work the other way and we drink do you think that still happens? I don't know. What do the kids yeah, do know. these days? I, I, I do, <laughs> do kids like alcohol still? I have these moments where I'm like, I think they're beyond that. I think they're on pills. Oh, I think Jesus. they're um, high on oh, life. Boy. I don't know. No, but I like, high on I, life. I, I, and like, there's a lot of, I think, Gen yeah. Zers who are like straight edge again in a word, but not calling it yep. that. Yep. So yep. I funny. do wonder. Yeah. I wonder if that's still the thing or if it's a, um, if there's an aversion to rule breaking. I don't, I, I don't know the answer to that. Neither of us do clearly, but it, it's interesting that this show, cause I, there's, I don't know if it's in this episode, although it is, they go to the bar, like they yeah, go and they, buy yeah. drinks at a bar, um, which kind of bold for the time. I think it's cause they know the guy, right? They know Lynn. They so it's like, that's how you would do it is you'd, you'd have somebody who'd be like, I can get us a drink here. Cause we know right. the people. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they also I, are all clearly not 19 years old. <laughs> They yeah, all look like they're in their 20s. I know. My aunt, it's so funny this timed out the way it did because my aunt sent me a photo of she when she came to visit me uh-huh. at Georgetown my sophomore year. Um, a lot of beer weight, a lot of blonde hair. I was I was coming at it from all angles. I was like, oh, pick a lane, April. What are you doing? Um, what's your look? Nobody knows. It's half preppy, half hipster, half like hippie. I don't know. I need to see those photos. Oh, uh, yeah. It's so simple. But it really, it did, it kind of took me back and I was like, oh my God, look at that baby faced grease ball. Who's going to serve her a drink? Like we, I had to get a real, I had a fake ID made in Harbin Hall, Georgetown on the Was it your name? Lounge. No, it was my first name plus the last name of a an adorable Mormon dude I had met on a cruise the summer before my senior year. Thought we were wow. gonna last. So I you had like, a whole you had a whole this is my married name. A whole, nar- a whole narrative. <laughs> sure. Well, I mean, we're gonna talk about some of the ways Felicity and I are similar. <laughs> that's that is wow, that's incredible. We both so- worry a lot about if people hate us. Like a lot. <laughs> 
<laughs> she does care a lot about what other people think. But I mean, I think that that's pretty it's common real. around that it's age. So re- yes, it's also it's real so in general. Real. But yeah, 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 yeah. Especially for like an overachiever who's like constantly walking that line of like, am I cool? Or could would yeah. these people want to talk to me? And not believing it when it happens. It is interesting to see how... So, I mean, just to talk a little bit about the pilot and then we'll, we'll jump to where we're to 120. But like, you know, one of the big problems that they had with casting Felicity was they wanted Carrie Russell, but they thought she was too pretty, quite frankly. Like, I think they saw Felicity being a lot more like Velma from Scooby-Doo, <laughs> like a some sort of a kind of wallflowery kind of girl okay. who uh, was just very kind of bookish. And that's why she didn't really have a boyfriend. And that's why, like, she would throw caution to the wind in the way that she does. And I do think that... Carrie Russell does imbibe a lot of that, yeah. but she's also Carrie Russell, which makes her a TV star, which makes the character feel a little bit less than, or a little more sort of dramatic, I guess is the best But at least everyone it. in the show realistically reacts to how beautiful she is. It's usually like when she is kind of not, yeah. in the when people are not interested in her romantically or friendship wise, it's because she's being like, I can't trust you. Or like in a moment where you're like, calm down for a minute, Felicity. Or she is in a moment where she's like, well, I read your essay. Like she is realistic to me because again, I did know these like really beautiful girls who also just did not know how to not step in it. Like, did not hmm. know how to get out of their own way at that age. Um, Interesting. And we're also, I think, sort of re- starting to get really beautiful in college, like a late right. bloomer vibe. So I, I get That's why fair. people were skeptical, but it, it, re- yeah. it resonated. Yeah. But I think it also, it also goes to show that, like, you know, and I've said this before, I'll say it again, that, you know, these people look like WB stars, but they yeah. are not written in that way. There's a nope. there's a depth and a sort of an awkwardness and a clumsiness and a messiness to this show that most of the other WB shows didn't really do. It just wasn't really yeah. their thing. Um, yeah. And I think part of it is stems obviously from the pilot, from the filmic quality that JJ and Matt Reeves bring oh, yeah. to that pilot. Um, it really feels like a mini movie. You know, it, yeah. it really feels that way. Um, it's, you know, it was made fun of at the time for being a show that kind of sat in pregnant pauses, but I think that that's kind of lovely. I mean, my I don't husband, mean to- as I was watching these, like just yeah. kind of in the living area, because sure. we're quarantined. I'm like, I'm just owning this. Sure. He was like, let me guess. It's another scene with just two people talking. Like he, he <laughs> couldn't get over how many scenes were just yeah. two people not only talking, but I think taught like talking. talking. Like they are <laughs> expressing themselves. Yeah. And I said, yeah. He's like, are there any scenes with more than three people? And I said, there are some lecture hall scenes. Sometimes. There's a party. <laughs> it's it's but interesting, I like though, it. I'm like, how I just low want to stakes be a it is. Like, yes. That's what I love about it. Yeah. Um, but it's so funny because, I mean, looking at what you've done um, your many years now at Shondaland, I mean, this show would never fly. At Shondaland, or fly it at basically any broadcast television show right now. Like it is, it's like, can you imagine trying to explain how this is noisy? Like if that's yeah. a big term yeah, these days, yeah, yeah, like yeah. what's going to make it break out? But it, you yeah. know what's what's funny about it is that in 1998, right? Because this is just before Undeclared. Mm-hmm. It is like kind of. It was a little ballsy to be like, I think yeah. the teens who watch Dawson and Buffy are going to k- want to aspirationally watch a girl go to college, but not in the way you're thinking. Yep. Like in this quieter, subtler, 
older people's take on college is sort of what it is. <laughs> well, it's funny. A couple of things kind of were kicking around in my head as I was rewatching these episodes. Um, first of all, you look at the shows that premiered in 99 that were about teens, which was essentially, you know, you had your Felicity, although yeah. it premiered the previous fall, but still you had Felicity, you had Freaks and Geeks, you had yeah. Undeclared Coming, uh, Popular. These were all shows that were trying to kind of like deconstruct all of these teen shows. Yeah. And basically none of them worked in terms of like being big hits. This was the yeah. biggest hit of the bunch. But right. even- they were all trying to recapture what Dawson's had. Right. But yeah. then this show kind of, I mean, with the infamous haircut and any number of things, kind of goes off the rails, finds itself a little bit, and then it goes off the air. But it's just, it's interesting that The Sopranos is premiering in, the, in January of 99, and that's the show that's going to blow up everything, right? That's when yeah. cable is going to come. That's that when, and like, Sex in the City. Right. So those yeah. two shows really kind of blow the doors off the place. And then we're now coming full circle where we're yeah. seeing shows like Normal People being on Hulu right now, which is basically like Felicity. Yes, I thought about that. But in a much sort of more poetic, introspective, yeah. you know, a much more kind of um, literary version of that. But yeah. I just think it's funny that that's sort of that, that now, now that streaming exists and teens are now watching television again in a weird way. Yeah. We're now kind of coming full circle and doing it's it all like, over. It's just interesting. Yeah, there's whole networks devoted to it. And when you say, would, would that script fly at Shondaland? The, the reason I might say yes is because mm-hmm. there, it is a very, that's a big, we're all about big character swings. Sure, right? sure, sure, sure. You're not just the crisis manager. You're having the, <laughs> right. the, the affair you can't quit with the president. Right. You're not just like a, an incredibly top surgeon. You are, an incredibly complicated person who happened to sleep with your boss. Right. So I think the idea that this like goody two shoes, who's done everything right right her whole life on a whim from a yearbook thing is like, fuck it. This is my life. I'm going to do this. And then proceeds to like at every (laughs) turn really be like, like, there is something Shondaland heroin about that. Like I I can appreciate that because it doesn't all work out. And she makes terrible mistakes, but like tries to like bring herself in the brink all the time. I don't know. That's actually a really funny. I I, I totally I I really do agree with you. It's funny that when you when you couch it like that, I can't help but sort of see like if Felicity wasn't a college student, for instance, right, like right. she has the she's got the impetus that you're talking about of of willing to throw her entire life into a yeah. people. Yeah. Which is a broadcast television thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just a television thing to do. Um, and she is, I'll say this, she's legit unstable in that pilot. <laughs> now, she starts to smooth out and they start making her, and, and the whole world kind of finds its sea legs and it becomes a lot more sort of grounded. But that pilot, when she yells at Ben and says, you made me fall in love with you. I know. <laughs> like, it's like, like Felicity. Ooh, ooh, Felicity. What are- <laughs> Yeah. So there's a lot of that, but, but I agree with you. She is, she is definitely dramatic. (laughs) Yeah. Like she, she fucking goes big or goes home. She's like, I'm going to New York university, but I also think New York, sorry. To, to, yes, of course. To pivot to, to to episode one twenty that yes, we're yeah. uh, talking about, what's interesting about this, and and it's something that I want to talk to you about specifically because I do think that Shondaland and the stuff that you guys develop does this really well of juggling a lot of tones. Like I yes. think that this show is very very good, especially in this episode, which I think is a kind of a weird episode, and we'll talk about why it's weird in a second. But I think that finding sort of the balance of 
some really broadly comedic storylines. Yes. And then some super dark, not <laughs> comedic storylines. Like, boogers in this one? Like, that was his reaction. I was like, yeah. Yeah, he is. Along and- with Ben getting beat up by <laughs> right. Leo's money. So it's, I'm going to give a very brief synopsis just for people that haven't seen it and then we'll dive into it. But, uh, facing temporary suspension because of his unpaid tuition bill and pressure from his bookie over gambling debts, Ben frantically sorts through his diminishing options. Felicity and Noel are quote unquote just friends. Well, sort of. Elena and Dr. McGrath share some moments and Felicity's up for a promotion at Dean and DeLuca and Noel gets a summer internship in Berlin. So there's a lot going on in this episode. I would actually say Perhaps too much is going on in this episode. It's like there's a lot going on and yet none of it feels like as like compelling as some other episodes. It's that yep. classic, like, I think in a network season between like 16 and 20, it's a little, you're just trying to get to the finale. Yep. There's some treading water going on here for yeah. sure. There's also, so in the previous episode where we had Carrie Gologli on to talk about uh, documentary, Ooh. which was the... Uh, <laughs> right, Sean's documentary. Sean's documentary yeah. episode, um, which is very much like Lelena's documentary from Reality Bites. Yeah. Um, yeah. We, I have another talked- comparison for that later. Remind oh, me of my I Reality can't wait. thoughts. Yeah. Um, so that episode is actually kind of great at feeding the, the love triangle. This episode, yes. that's on the back burner because coming down the pike is obviously the penultimate and then this and then the finale. So to your point, and you're I think completely uh right in saying this, this feels like a maybe we'll have a Ben episode this week. Yeah. <laughs> like maybe we'll have a Elena episode this week. Like yeah. it's not it's not felicity centric, which makes it feel, to your point, like a little bit of not fish nor fowl. Yes. Um but there's still a lot of stuff in it. And the tone stuff is what I kind of want to talk to you about, about juggling all that stuff. Because I think that Grace in particular is sort of the one that came to mind sure. of, of how, how that show folds humor into life and death situations. Yeah. And obviously it's not the same in Felicity. Um, but, you know, finding a way to have booger in this episode and it feels i mean to felicity's credit if these are the whole point is like these things feel feel like life or death yes 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 even if we can all say like no they're not (laughs) right like for ben you know being suspended or losing i mean that's a big fucking deal yeah and i guess Uh, in a weird way like he could be killed by the people he owes gambling money to but well this is the other question that i have for you which is they don't really want Ben to be dipping his toe into really criminal waters. So yeah. it's it's kind of trying to be in this middle space of like, it's dangerous, guys. But how dangerous is it really? Yeah. Um, like that bookie's a piece of shit. But like, I is also he was really like, why violent? Do I know that it's play, he's played by the actor Chad Gabriel. And I kept being like, why do I know his face? Why do I know his face? He was a regular on the Saturday morning show. Hang did Hang. you recognize him? I did. I was like, why do I know this dude? This is so weird. <laughs> It was like just at the cusp of me stopping watching those shows. Like I might've been like 11 or 12. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What a star. Um, but you, to your other point <laughs> about, yes, they have, they have Booger in this yeah. playing Danny, mm-hmm. the like absolutely accident prone, sad sack person. Felicity finds herself not only having to manage as like an assistant in, in kind of going up for the assistant manager job when Allie Wentworth, George Stephanopoulos's real life wife goes away. She has to kind of pick up oh. the slack. Yeah. And, um, and not only having to deal with him, but fire him. And it's just one of those classic comedy things of like, it gets worse, it gets worse, it gets worse. And then a big reversal at the end. And that like, yep. she gets passed over for him because she makes a terrible decision related to trying to go save Ben. 
Find your patterns, Felicity. Fuck it, fucking Ben. Get it together, Felicity. Jesus. But it, it, there's like physical comedy. Danny with like a yeah. wrapped bandage hand is just like dropping yeah. plates. I did laugh out loud at the moment where he's trying to put a plate that he's dropped into a <laughs> dustpan with a broom. And Felicity's like, Danny, pick it up. <laughs> like, it must feel good yeah. for Gary Russell in those moments yes. to get to be like the one who's like, you're acting crazy. <laughs> like, you're acting weird. <laughs> Yeah, there's a couple of moments where she gets to, especially when her stalker shows up at one point, uh, she gets a stalker and there's a lot of hijinks that, that come out of that. Hijinks! <laughs> they kind of are. But, uh, but oh, I do right. think... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah it's um, Todd Mulcahy shows up for yes. a two-part episode. He gets hit by a bus. Um, but uh, it's amazing. But I, I think that to, to your point... First of all, I think Carrie Russell is way funnier than she gets credit for, and someone Agreed. should be using her in comedic performances way more. Um, but like the Danny storyline is silly and and has some twists and turns. But mixed into that, you have Elena trying to date her teacher. Yeah, which and I don't... I thought I missed something. I thought like no, nope. had... oh, it's <laughs> no. just a rant. Like it starts. What I've seen is where it well, begins and ends. No, 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 no. Sorry, I don't mean it like that. They, they do tee it up. Um, he does show up, and in his first, Prince Humperdinck from the Princess Bride shows up. That's who it is. Yes, and uh, and he he shows up, and she's like, he's kind of hot. And immediately, oh. I was like, no, he's. But okay, I mean, he's not not hot. He's just probably thirty years older than she. Also, is. imagine you're Tanji Miller, and you're like, it, it's happening. I got a big gig on this WB show full yeah, of attractive people. Oh my god, look at her love interest. Look at her. Oh, who's mine? Oh, like it's like from <laughs> Simon Rex to Prince Humperdinck. I'm sure there was a moment where she was like, "Can you give Elena like a better story? Can you?" Yeah, she does eventually get Donald Faison for for about oh. a season and a, for a season and a half. So yeah. Oh, that's great. Okay. Yeah, yeah. she gets so, justice justice for Tangi then. Justice for <laughs> justice for Tangi. Yeah. But uh, here's my question to you, and I posed this to Carrie in the previous episode. But um, did you know anyone that would date their teacher in college? I thought a lot about this. I figured okay, this might okay. be a question, or like, had I ever had a crush on a teacher or anything? Um, I w- and- I wouldn't have asked that. <laughs> I mean. I don't, I just mean like, you're kind, you're a kind, respectful person. Just try to be nice. (laughs) No. And it's, I, I never knew a person who dated their teacher. Okay. Um, I knew people who had like, like relationships that well expanded outside the, like, okay. There was a professor of a globalization class that I took where he also ran a program where a select group of undergrads would go be his TAs at a prison. So okay. we would teach his course to prisoners at this Lorton prison. It's not even around anymore in Virginia. And I think he was one of those guys that like kind of everyone had a crush on. Interesting. And hence okay. he could convince a lot of young women to parade into a men's medium security prison on the reg to teach classes. <laughs> um, but that I think really nefarious when you say it yeah. like that. But he was like happily married and had kids that like, no, it, okay. nothing okay. weird ever happened. But like, I also don't think I clocked a lot of like, Oh, that seems like it could be a, a don't stand too close to me kind of situation. How about you? Did you ever know anyone to have a look at a fair with a professor? No, like no, a, no. But I, I don't. Anyone? I do think that as I was, so here's where my head space was as I was watching this storyline. The first was I appreciated that Elena asked him out. Yeah. That, that, that it started from her. 
So yeah. for what that's worth, uh, I, I appreciate Elena it. Elena also seems like 30 in this episode. Yes. So you're like, yeah. okay. yes, but at least it was like, at least the, the, the woman initiated the situation that yes. at least was, uh, made me feel a little bit better about it. But then I also thought about it, it kind of depends on what you're studying. Like mm-hmm. if you're, if you're studying theater, for instance, or you're studying film or, or, or something that's sort of creative, I could see the lines, lines getting blurring. blurrier in that situation. <laughs> yeah. But in pre-med? Yeah. But in pre-med, that doesn't seem likely to me. Let's go back to Grey's Anatomy. Um, <laughs> I think that there is like, I think there is hero worship yeah, please, sometimes. Please. Yeah, yeah, please. You know what I mean? I think like that and God knows most oh, people okay. on Grey's Matter are incredibly, yeah. incredibly good looking. But I do think there is that... Um, it's funny. You don't see it with Felicity sure. with her chem teacher because <laughs> he's legit 70. But I think that hero worship of like, oh my God, it's the dude who wrote the book or it's the guy who invented the procedure or because that they say right, Dr. Right. McGrath is like such fancy, a fancy dude. Um, I, yeah, and yeah, I know that can kind that. of, that can totally sway you. It, you know, I think I, no matter your field, there's going to be that element to it. Um, but yeah, I just, I like yeah. racked my brain. I feel like more so in high school. I've heard stories of high school boarding school situations where people mm. wind up dating their teacher like that. But it's, you know, let me take you to Jersey. Um, but not. I don't want to go. College. Yeah. Don't make me. <laughs> don't make me go. To oh my God. By the way, there's a sick Jersey burn in here. Yeah, there is. I know. About that. Rutgers where uh, Lynn is like, look, you know, if you let people from Jersey win, it's like defeat for the human species. I was like, Lynn. <laughs> I did. Hey, Ben Bolio from Ma- Romeo and Juliet, back off. I immediately clocked him. I was like, Ben Bolio. That is the same poll that Carrie Gologly made in the previous episode, just so you know. <laughs> All right. So you've that's got that going for you. That's why our besties don't worry yeah, about that's it. Why, that's why uh-huh, she's, yeah. We totally um, get. It's why you yeah. did very well in her trivia. Uh, <laughs> it's fair. It's not the only reason. Yeah. Not the only reason. Um, but it, it's, it is interesting that there is, yeah, I mean, the, the Elena... Because this is a Ben Elena centric episode, it's kind of weird because Felicity's whole storyline is, uh, just to take everybody back to the beginning here, it basically, she's getting dressed up to go to work because she's going to be the manager for the manager. day. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Um, here's a question for you. In the very beginning of this episode, I had questions about, how can I put this without it sounding inarticulate? Um, there's a gender something going on at the beginning of this episode with Felicity putting on a man's tie, mm-hmm. Noel tying it for her, her hair is back, and there's some sort of a weird energy between them. Now, I know that there's an energy because they're uh, they're going to kiss at the end of the episode and they're dealing with all that sort of stuff, but I'm just sort of like, what's going on with him doing up a tie for her and her just looking... Oh, that's so funny. I did not, I did not read into it. I okay. read, I was like, oh, it's like, it's like, let me show you how to shoot that gun where it's like okay. just giving an okay. excuse. To go- and to be okay. fair, that is how all the Dina DeLuca people dressed. It's true. Okay. All right. Yeah. I just, it was, I didn't it was read just, as much. I like your I, I, version. I clocked it. I clocked yeah. it for what it was worth. <laughs> um, I, I, don't, I don't know if it was intentional. Maybe it's not. And you're right. That is how everybody at Dina DeLuca dressed. Yeah. Um, did you frequent Dina DeLuca when you were, uh, I mean, just aspirationally, like, I would go in and walk around and buy like the one or two things I could afford. But yeah, right. I was okay. not a, and also I wasn't like, um, yeah, I got my coffee out of van- vending machines, you know? Sure. Guys, but- I'm drill salts of the earth, man of the people. <laughs> so I got my Fritos just like everyone else. Yeah. 
The Dina DeLuca stuff, I think, is interesting in this episode because um, thank God Ian Gomez's pilot didn't go so he could come back as Javier at the top of season two. Oh, right. I forgot about him. Because he's in, Javier is there. Like very briefly. Well, no, Javier is there for the first half of the season. And then he gets a, he gets a series. He gets a pilot that goes to series. And then that show died. And he became a regular on Felicity at the top of season two. So what we're left okay. with is this back half of the Dina DeLuca stuff where you have um, Alexandra Wentworth and you have this Danny Stewart. Like you have these like, they just don't know what to do with it because Javier's energy has kind of left a vacuum that they're just not sure what to do with. Got it. Um, because Alexandra Wentworth is funny. But, like, I'm not really sure what I'm supposed to make of this situation with her. Like, this staring off into nowhere. It's just, it just doesn't, it doesn't really work. Yeah. She's not a real it's, person. She's from a different show. Like, it's, Danny. This is Danny. Almost, Dan, well, here's the thing, though. You also have Richard, the guy yes, who, like, yes. whose who's dorm room overheats, so he has to move in with Nolan, like, winds up playing <laughs> a mom in a face mask at the end. Asking it's like Three's Company at the end. Yeah, so it's like, and look, again, I think... It's a. Te- I think part of why people get excited yeah. about shows that can tone switch is like it does give a little something for everything, and it. I love stuff that makes me absolutely like swoon, get emotionally invested, then suddenly just undercuts it with humor. Yes. yes. Um. But uh. But it is like that. That the Dean Deluca runner is funnier than I remembered. Yep. More physically comic than comedic than anything I've remembered from the show. It's not what I think of when I think of Felicity, which is and that, and that it shouldn't have worked. Like yeah. this is this is again another thing that I point to in this show that I that if you list all these things that this show is doing you'd be like well that's never going to work and somehow they keep all these plates spinning they do which is it's really which is, charming which is impressive yes but you could is- have like a slow mo of Ben Covington like dissolving into himself further down the hallway in like a super dramatic shot <laughs> you know like and then yeah. right in the same episode Booger drops a plate and tries to dust Pam Bloom it away <laughs> so I'm like. It is weird. You're on a ride, much yeah. like college, highs and lows. It's well, it's 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 interesting. It's so true what you're saying because it's like even within Ben's storyline, you have Sean coming into it and creating yes. elements of humor and levity within a storyline that really doesn't. It, it's it it's it's strange, um, but it's great. Um, and Greg Grunberg is so. I wish I had like so had great. known and remembered like what a utility player he is in this show. I mean, he is just so yeah. lovable and it, and he's such, he's such a good dude too. And I, I, I forget sometimes how, how much he nails it. Yep. Um, and the thing I would, the thing I loved is that in a weird way, Sean pitches Bantam bite bagels from Starbucks. I know. I noticed that too. I was like, wait, d- that's gap <laughs> from, from 98 and 99 to no. now, like, why didn't anyone listen to Sean? <laughs> he's like, yeah, in bed to these flower yeah. guys. And then you're like, what are you working on, Sean? And he's like, I don't know, maybe donut holes, but they're bagels. And you inject them with cream cheese. And I was like, what? <laughs> you have a time machine? It's true. But he also did pitch um, milkless cereal. So the- <laughs> Where well, like there's, there's milk inside it, so you pour water and it turns into it's, it's, it's terrible. <laughs> so like he's pitched some shitty okay, ideas look. too. That's what makes him a true inventor. It's, yeah. you, got, you got to go through some bad ideas. You got to ideate. It is it is great to see, and this happens. I'm sure you've seen it yourself um, through your shows, but like 
when someone does someone a solid, like J.J. Abrams and Matt Reeves, they all go to school with Greg Grunberg. They've known each other for decades. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he has a he has an audio cameo in the pilot. He's not actually right. In he's the like pilot. on the door on the he's, he's like, on the door when buzzer. She yeah. Up. yeah. So he's there, and I guess they basically said like, if it goes to series, we'll you know whatever. And yeah. he's there, but he doesn't really become a full fledged part of the show until the end of season one into two, and then he starts dating Amanda Foreman, and and they really. Oh, right turn him into oh a real character yep. as opposed to just doing a friend a solid, you know? Yep. And and that's a testament to how good an actor he is, but also to, you know, how, yeah. how they understand his strengths and weaknesses as a, as a, as an actor. It's really great. Yeah. And like, just thinking of the, like, I love their bond, the three of them. And I also, uh, we have a project with Matt Reeves and his awesome company. Mm-hmm. And um, it is a giant, like near fi Epic, like time travel romance, save the world thriller, cop procedural. But at the heart of it, I think the thing that we both got excited about, like all of us, Sean Alain and Matt Rose's company to, to go in and like try to get that book is because of the heart of it. It, it's a, it's about relationships. It's like, it's about love and marriage and like how, you know, like the stuff that you go through. And that's what made me also in light of our other project, looking at this show being like, Oh, it's like all there. I also think of, I thought about Cloverfield a lot. Talk about mm-hmm. another movie that tone switches so perfectly where I would be laughing out loud at yep. the various real shit you'd say to each other at the end of the world as a group of friends tearing through the city, but also how freaked out and nervous and anxious and upset it made me. It was great, like at both extremes. So there, there it's like you, for a first show out, the effort here, you see all the pieces. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, but I totally get why these guys are going to have a fucking phenomenal long career. It's so it's so funny that you say that because it's like because at the heart of every single one of Matt Reeves and JJ's shows and movies is yeah. Felicity. Like that's the funny thing is that yeah. that the, that they took everything they learned from Felicity and then they just dialed it up to eleven and they put and they yes. went you know they ran with genre stuff and obviously they become the you know the the titans of industry that they are. But it's just interesting to see. Um, how it came from this. I mean, there's the, there's the, the old sort of story about how going into season two, they were struggling to come up with ideas for Felicity. Uh, and, and JJ said, can't we just make her a spy? And that's where Alias. Oh, it's really. Yeah. Yeah. So you, when you look at those first couple of, yeah. So you see those first couple episodes of Alias and you're just like, oh yeah, it's Felicity, but she's a spy. And then obviously it becomes its own show and it turns into what it turns into. But yep. it's just, it's just really interesting to see how this show birthed both of these guys to go into such extreme other directions. And yet it's still there in their DNA. Yeah. The emotional, the emotional core never goes away. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals. You can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. 
Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Yeah. Um, so uh want to talk a little bit about um, the the Ben storyline a little bit more. So he meets his bookie for the first time, Barry, uh, who is, is alluded to in previous episodes. We finally meet him, uh, played by this actor who is, as you mentioned, goes way back with you. So you, you, you know him from uh, <laughs> yeah. his, his previous friend from Danny from hang time. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and again, in that first scene, we're, we're really kind of hit with this box that they've put themselves in. And my, I would say that WB put them in, which is, no real criminal component yeah. here, yeah. right? So it's like, I don't want you to beat people up. I just want you to kind of intimidate them a little bit or make them understand what's going... Like, it's it's a weird sort of gray zone that they put themselves in, which is not particularly rewarding from a story perspective. Um, then we meet Guy again, who was in the previous episode trying to sell his Conan O'Brien tickets or have somebody come with him to see Conan O'Brien, uh, the guy with the curly hair. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, who's who owes Barry money. Who knows why? He's like a sideshow uh, Bob kind of character. That's his vibe. Very sideshow Bob. Okay. That's what he was like. I remember. Um, and then uh, basically Ben then goes to Sean to co-sign a loan and then they go. And then as we, as we mentioned earlier, Sean's dealing with some, some credit issues because of this dough factory <laughs> that he owes money to. That he, would, uh, he really would have made so much money on Bantam Bites, but okay. He really would have. Um, and then Ben tries to steal Sean's watch. Like I, it just there's there's just stuff in this that and that Julie feels kind like, of catches him, and then he's like, "You yeah. tell him." I was like, "Don't tell him, Julie. Don't tell Sean about what he was going to do with the it's, watch." Just it's just it's very so. This scene really underlines for me, and I know that you you jumped uh, ahead to to one twenty, which is obviously completely understandable. But Ben and Julie's relationship is kind of a mess because it starts from this weird place. Yes. Even reading the Wikipedia to catch myself up, I was mm-hmm. like, wait, who's with who? What? What's happening? Like, it, it, yeah. it, seem, it sounds like they bond when she gets date raped. Yes, they become friends then. And she also, after the pilot, is sort of like, okay, you can date Ben because I know that Noel likes me. <laughs> it's basically oh. the gist of it. Yes, got it. So got they it. kind of date for a while. And then I think it becomes abundantly clear that they know midway through the season that the cliffhanger at the end of the season is going to be her choosing between the two of them. So we have to backpedal Ben away from Julie at a certain point yep. in order for him to be able to, to yeah, ask Felicity, yeah. So, which I get. And then obviously you have the scene at the end of Ben's storyline, which we'll talk about where he gets beaten up and shows up at Felicity's door. But with Julie, it's like, are they dating? She's living in his bedroom. They're not kissing. They're not hugging. There doesn't seem to be any affection between the two yeah. of them. It's very strange. And Amy Jo Johnson's adorable. I don't think I ever remembered great. how cute she is. She's but great. I wonder, I do wonder if that was like, they were either some combination of writing towards the end of season yes. one, yes. or like there was not the chemistry they thought there might've been yep. between the actors and trying to kind of work with that. As you know, when working in TV, you have all these grand yep. plans. And then sometimes you're like, oh shit, we just got to, yep. we've got to assess what's really here and what we can play with. But I agree. It, it felt like I had missed two seasons, not one. Yes. And, and I think that, you know, Julie never really clicks with the show. Um, they write her out, uh, I yeah, believe. Amy Smart comes in, right? At some point. Uh, well, Amy Smart comes in and dates Noel for a while, but then she leaves. Okay. Um, but 
Amy Jo Johnson, I think, is written out by the end of season one, top of season, sorry, end of season two, top of season three, because they just don't know where to put her anymore. And once they know that Ben and Felicity are getting together and all that sort of shit. But it's just, it's interesting to watch as a, as a writer, but also I imagine for you as a producer, when you know how television shows work. So you've sort of seen how the sausage gets made. And then you watch an episode like this and you're like, what's going on with these two? Like, why is this not? gelling and like mm-hmm. this storyline just doesn't make sense and she's like weirdly protective of him but then kind of not at the same time and i it's think strange. it's most like most uh crystallized where you know once ben does go and confront lynn at the or go, goes to talk to lynn and say i'm trying to get i'm mm-hmm. trying to figure out how to get out of this situation with barry and barry shows up all five pounds of them and they have like a scuffle and then he goes on the, he like walks away feeling like he got out of it fine. Cause he's in a cloud of rage <laughs> and he gets jumped and he's yep. beaten up and then he's missing the whole night and he comes yeah. back finally. Well, and we'll talk about this, but after he goes to Felicity, he finally goes back to his actual yeah, 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 yeah. gone and they like form a line to hug him. It's like, Julie gets to go first then Sean's there, then Lynn. And I was like, what was going on in the right? Like was, whose pitch was this? And like, was this one of those things where they had gotten yeah. like a studio network note and they were like, ah, oh, fuck, I don't know. Maybe there's a scene where they like, he comes home and they all hug him and they're all waiting. And they, Cause really they're friends and that'll tee up that Julie really loves him as a friend. It was hard to understand that scene. I think for me, it's, it's yeah. I mean the, the, the episode essentially, if we're going to say a climax is a kind of climax is with Ben showing up at Felicity's door, having been beaten up by, by Barry's goons or friends or whatever the fuck. <laughs> yeah. um, and he shows up at, at her door, which, um, which reminds me. He always me does of, in the show. He always shows he up. He always door. does. It also reminded me of the end of season three of Six Feet Under where Nate shows up at Brenda's door after he's been beaten up, but that's a side issue. Um, it, it was one of those things where, I understand why Ben showed up at the door of the person who always sees him at his best. The person who sees him as the most potential. It's the reason why Ben wants to be with Felicity and it's shitty, but it's true, which is that she sees him as some, as just like this amazing thing. Yeah. And that's a fucked up thing to do to another person when you're, when you are in a relationship because it makes you feel better about yourself. Yep. As opposed to being there in a, in a, in obviously a, 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 co-relationship but it's the first time that we see them it's late at night uh she's in her pajamas she's sitting on the edge of her bed with him he's all beaten up and oh my god when he sat on her bed i was like you're covered in blood dude get up go away <laughs> and it made me think of my freshman roommate she had um she was this gorgeous like french austrian but grew up in atlanta per- uh-huh. I guess, we were great friends we were the only roommates out of her whole giant friend group that actually liked each other but she had this policy that like when people would coming out in our room, that if you had clothes on, you had to be on top of the comforter and at the, at the end of the bed. And she would call, it was like a, a blue comforter with yellow sheets. And she, she'd say, you can't be inside the egg in street clothes. <laughs> and it just made me think of it the minute Ben sat down. I was like, Christine would have just had a pick because it's like a partially unmade bed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's yeah. my side that, rant. About no, Benny's I like that. Food. I like that a lot. You can't get inside the egg. Can't get the inside she would call it the yolk. <laughs> she was amazing. She was like raised in, in America, but she'd be like, how do you say? And I'm like, you're from here. But she spoke three languages, so I'd give her a pass. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. But, but yeah, he goes to her, yeah. sitting all sad and beaten up. And she, of course, um, 
is Felicity, which is that she's reasonable and she's like, call your fucking mom, you doofus. Like, that's what parents are yes. there for. Like, like, I don't know what you're be doing. Your parent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you think is happening here. Um, but and it, it obviously sort of lays the groundwork for him showing her how much of a mess he is as a person. Yeah. And the fact that she's embraces him in that situation allows him to feel vulnerable enough that he then offers to fucking drive across the country with her at the, in the season finale. But um, to, to answer your initial question, which is where do you go after that? How do you wrap up the other threads of the storyline of Ben? And I guess he has to go home and get a hug from everybody. Like it doesn't make any fucking sense, but like, yeah. I guess you have to do something. Yeah. Uh, and I'm like, know. if I'm Julie and maybe this happens in the next episode, I'll find out. I'm going to be like, I'm sorry, you went to Felicity's for like, yeah. yeah. What are we even doing, sir? Right. Uh, and that's kind of the, it's, it's funny because JJ Abrams and, and, and his minions all have a tendency to do a very similar thing at the end of their seasons, which is to shatter their show into a million pieces, and then figure it out on the flip side. Oh, so, like, see, we'll figure it out in season two. Right. Okay. Maybe a show like Sleepy Hollow might have had that issue. Um, <laughs> I don't know, but I, but I do think that uh, it's, it's just very sort of um, it's kind of that it's, it's, it's a JJ thing and I don't have necessarily a problem with it, but it's why you have what happened at the top of season two of this show, which was, what do we do now? Like whoever she chooses, it's going to blow up the show, which is great. It's good television. Yeah. But then it's like, what do you do after that? And they didn't really know what to do, uh, which is why season two is kind of a a hodgepodge of a bunch of different things. But uh, it's, it's, it's interesting to see the show at the peak of its powers in this run, understanding itself, heading towards, you know, uh, a great finale and lining up all the pieces really well, but also not really knowing what to do on the other side of it. Yeah. And it's, it's funny, well, to go back to my Reality Bites um, thing, it's after watching the episode, yeah, yeah, Night, I did think about it and I was just like, oh, wow, I don't know if this is me with like hindsight's twenty twenty, but it's like, she should be with neither of these people. Um, because Ben, you spoke to it, that what, what he loves about her is that she sees limitless potential in him and that is not something everybody sees in him. And she gives him so many chances and just adores him. And, um, with even, and and like, even when she gives him advice, it feels like he's getting something he needs from his mom instead of a girlfriend, right? Or whatever it is. And then with Noel, he, he's a lot. Like, I forgot how much like Noel is so weirdly like over apologizing, inserting himself. I'm like, you're, I, you're the resident, I know they make him a sophomore. I'm like, you're her RA. And day one, you're like, I, of course I have affections for you. I'm like, oh, that would creep me out, man. So I, it's so weird watching this. I'm just, and even as cute as Scott Foley is, you're still like, yeah, you're still like the RA and I'm coming to you telling you all about Ben. And then you're like, well, I have feelings for you too. Like throwing your hat in the ring. Yeah. There was something much as in the moment you watch and like, how could you choose team Ben, team Noel? They're both so great. And then, you know, similarly in reality bites, I'm like, Oh my God. It seems so clear that it was like, should be with Ethan Hawke. I'm so glad she's with Ethan Hawke in the end in your thirties slash 40. 
you you're like, approach what these you materials, doing, yeah, and you're like, oh no, you should not yeah. be with either of these people. At least not where they're at in their lives right now. Like, because yeah. in reality, bite she shouldn't have been with Ethan Hawke or Ben Stiller. So this tees up a, a perfect question that I posed to Carrie last week, and I, I'm very curious to hear your thoughts on this as well. Okay, because this show and um, really kind of brought to mind something that I asked actually Emily Vanderwerf in our first episode about female protagonists of television shows and the idea that they have to end up with someone at the end of the series. This idea yes. that that they can't ever be alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and Carrie brought up a, a perfect example of the the perfect way that is done, which is Mad Men, which is what they did with with um, with Peggy's character of showing sort of all of that independence, all of the things that she's been through, mm-hmm. and then how satisfying it is for her to get Stan at the end, and 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 you're rooting for her, and you're rooting for that, and it's all great because she's been th- <coughs> through the fucking ringer. Yeah. Then the flip side to that is like Carrie Bradshaw, and you're just like, I don't want Carrie with any of these guys. No. Like I actually think that Carrie should end up alone. Um, and when I say alone, I don't mean like alone, like, but you know what I mean. Like, seeing what else will be revealed in her life. Right, like right. maybe her soulmate's coming for her at 45, not exactly. 39. Yeah. Sure. Which, which I think if, if, there, if there was a character on that show that should have been thinking about that, that's, that's Carrie. Yeah. But all that being said, really I guess yeah. the question I'm posing to you is, do you feel like we're at a place or that there will be a show hopefully soon where a female protagonist can end a series without being quote unquote fulfilled by some sort of a, a relationship? Well, you know what's interesting is I have, as you've been talking, I've been thinking about Grey's yeah. Anatomy a lot. Sure. And I think, um, you know, obviously Meredith was such a, an intense <laughs> fandom craziness yeah. for that show for so long. Mm-hmm. And then Shonda and the writers really did blow things up by killing him. Yeah, sure. That's and it. when you take that off the table, yep. remember that was what season 10. Now we're in going into season 17. You're mm-hmm. like, Oh, wow. So for half, you're going to let her just, you know, she had a soulmate. Like for the, mm-hmm. for the theory of the show, she had a soulmate. He's dead. She has his kids and now she's going to perhaps love again. But like I, for me, that show, I'm still always like, it's her and Christina. They're their yeah. people. She is the son, right? Like all of those pieces of it, I think are leading up to something very satisfying mm-hmm. for her, for, for Meredith Gray's character. Yeah. But I know it is, and look, obviously Scott Foley in Scandal played mm-hmm. another part of an incredibly compelling, like, what the fuck yep. do you do? Love triangle. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the team fits to team Jake stuff was so compelling. And these things, there's a reason they work, but it, I remember at some point just being like, and this is before it ended, I just being like, I think I'm, I'm just team Olivia, right? Like what I, I'm behind her. Yep. Whether she winds up with one of them or not, like I, I'm still just primarily invested in her, um, in her journey, right? And like her j- journey to the dark side specifically, and if she can come back, right, and put the white hat back on. Um, I think that is kind of that. That's I think what I've enjoyed so much about working in Shamalina and working on these shows is that it had like I think people sometimes are like. Oh, it's the shows with all like the loves and the feels. And like, you know, I see it. I get it. Like, oh, it's the yep. shows where it's like all about which guy is she going to wind up with? And it's so not, but it is like a fun thing to explore as you are on this journey with the person. Um, and I'm trying to think right now, like of other shows where, and look, as much of a feminist as I am, right? As much as I have just said everything I've said, I, I am a sucker. 
I get pulled in when it's a super complicated love triangle. I do find myself trying to analyze and figure out like who did they belong with. And I think you're right that when done well, like in Peggy, you're, you feel like, oh, that feels real yep. and earned. Well, it's, it's funny because, you know, posing it to you, I think, I, and the reason that I was excited to pose this question to you is because it feels like if ever there was uh, a company that yes, was known going for to love do triangles, that, yes. And also just, and known for having incredibly dimensional, complex female protagonists, it feels like you guys at some point, and perhaps, you know, unbeknownst to them, the death of Derek and all that might pave the way for Meredith, to your point, ending the series with her and, and, and Christina, you know, hanging out and like, you know, really kind of hitting the nail on the head of this was the relationship you guys should be caring about. And this right. is the most important relationship in her life, whatever the case might be. Yeah. I don't know how it will play out, but it just feels like we, we have to be getting to a place where, where female protagonists can exist without having a male counterpart or a female counterpart for that matter. Like that their love stories are not the only thing that matters to a yes. female protagonist. I think, I think we're close. I hope we're close yeah. to getting to that place. And it's funny because it's like what you're asking to see yeah. is important, but it's also, I think about, I'm just speaking to my own lived reality. Yeah, yeah. Like I do, I do mark my life in the like love situations that have kind of, you know, been throughout it or the ups and downs that like having my heart crushed, crushing someone else's heart, knowing mm-hmm. I'm a selfish idiot. Um, finding finally somebody where I was like, Oh my God, this is what I've been waiting. Like I, if I am probably on my deathbed, I'm going to look back at that. And that will be as big a part of my life as trying to make great stories that people connect with. So it's like, it's weird because I feel caught in the conundrum of like, I don't want it to just be like, who's she going to wind up with? But then I also am like, Oh, I don't want to discount that. That's a, that is a huge part of our lives. Right. It's I more don't, like, and I don't mean to diminish that either. Just no, no, no. Yeah. It's almost more like, I think what I think, what you're pointing out that's actually super interesting is like, why can't we see men in that light more? Well, that's like love and fucked up shit in relationships affects men a lot. I see Nolan. I'm like, I don't don't, don't know what you're talking about. No, not you. No, no. Um, But I like, even at the top of Felicity, aren't you just like, Noel got yeah. wrecked last year and he doesn't know <laughs> what to do. He's like freshman year. Yep. He fell in love way too hard, too fast. He's trying yep. to correct his ways, but he's also like, I gotta like find the next love. So it's like, it's more like having an, equal, an equal amount of verve for like men figure, figure out who men are going to wind mm-hmm. up with, like who's yep. going to really complete them as much as women. Cause I don't well, want to discount that that's life. It's funny that you bring that up because I, and I, and this does actually bring us back to Felicity because I think what the show does very well is, you know, Ben and Noel are written, I think, quite dimensionally. I mean, Ben is, Ben is a little bit of a golden retriever, uh, just a very sweet guy that, that obviously would run into traffic for you, but like might not be the sharpest tool in the shed, but there is a lot <laughs> going on there. Yeah. He's a sweet guy and, and Hardly. there's a complexity there. And, 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 and I appreciate the idea of a popular guy who was clearly an alpha who yes. is figuring out how to be a beta. Like, I think that's interesting. I and then, too. and I think that the inverse is, is, is there for Noel, which is he's clearly a beta who's trying to figure out how to be an alpha. Like, I think that that's, that's just well interesting. Put. And we don't see enough of that today. Like this show is 20 years yes. ago and we still feel like the men still need to be these alpha men in shining armor bullshit, which is just not all that. Or dark fucked up anti-heroes yeah, yeah, that are exactly. like still somehow kind of hot. Right. That's really true. Um, 
Yeah, that is something to so, think about of like that, that the, the proportional, the proportion, it's disproportionate. Yeah, it's, it's, it's gender rules, right? It's this idea yeah. of like what we think men and women are supposed to act like. And obviously all of those rules are, are becoming much more fluid, which is fantastic. Um, not just on television, but in the real fucking world where yeah. we're starting to change the way that we perceive each other. I think that's great. Um, but we're just not maybe seeing it enough. That's all. No, that's really, and it's so funny. Now I'm thinking about like how Noel must have been received. Cause like, I think Noel and Dawson were sort of like kind of the first like hypersensitive, hard on their sleeve dudes you saw as yeah. like romantic leads, if not the, the point of view in of a show in Dawson's case mm-hmm. it, on TV, right? Like that, cause like in 90210, the, yeah, they would, you know, Brandon and Dylan would have their ups and downs of love, of course, but they'd also like, you know, just be cool dudes and just hang it. Yeah. So, right. They weren't, they were so cool. Even yeah. Steve was like a popular dickhead and cool in his own right, even when he was being a dweeb. So it's like, I feel like those kind of vulnerable dudes existed and yet yeah. weren't ever portrayed until the WB. I have to I, think I about that, that thesis. I have to think about it, but I think no. I think my... there's. I think there's definitely something. To, I mean, I think that Pacey and, and Dawson are certain, certainly oh, fall yeah, into Pacey's that category for sure. Yeah. And and I think that you know, I think that Xander and Angel and Spike, like these are all interesting men. Like there's definitely yeah. a range to, to their characters for sure. It's just kind of a weird situation where all that existed, and then to kind of you know come full circle on what we were talking about now, where like all of those shows that were aimed at teens kind of stopped. Yeah. And then the CW sort of has turned it to just a, I don't know, a, a DC universe stuff. And right. it just feels like all that stuff kind of went away for a while. And now it's kind of coming back in a different form. So we'll see what it, what it's like on the other side of that. I'm, I'm curious to see. Yeah. And I'm curious to see what like HBO max winds up doing too, given that it's like trying to f- really truly focus in on that audience and be like, how yeah, do you yeah. service that audience and tap into it again? Let's hope that they want to um, make our show. Listen, <laughs> Listen, I'm just, we'll yeah. I'm writing it on my vision board, yeah, well, yeah. but I don't, I swear I don't have, um, <laughs> no, a lot I, of food I, I for thought. I came in here excited to talk about, you know, <laughs> spotting the kid from hang time. And now I'm like, yeah. <laughs> also I, I, my yeah. brain just exploded. Cause I do think McDreamy dies end of season 11. <laughs> Time's a flat circle. Cause it's well, Christina I mean, goes to Switzerland in, te- in 10. Sorry. Yeah. I just had to correct myself. But I, I think that, um, I think to, to, to sort of come full circle on, on the on the love triangle in this episode, we basically end the episode with a fucking Three's Company moment with Richard opening the door with the, the face mask on um, and uh, Noel and Felicity kiss for the first time since their breakup. And we sort of get to see them trying to forge forwards, yeah. which again, sort of again, is laying the groundwork for the decision she makes in the back of the cab at the end of season one that, that no one really knew what she was going to do. Um, so it's, it's, it's interesting. How, I forget. Is that how the end season one is like, you don't, it's like, do I go to Berlin with Noel or do I drive across the country back to California with Ben? The last shot of the season is her getting into a cab okay, and telling the cab driver, we don't know where he tells her to go. You've got Noel sitting at the airport waiting with a ticket to go to Berlin and you've got Ben waiting for her and you don't know. Um, and it's a great season finale. Uh, I remember specifically people that had recorded it on video cassette and were trying to read her lips 
as though. Oh yeah. What, what I love is that how naive you have to be about television. If you think that she was actually saying anything in that cab, like they didn't know what the hell they were doing until they got yeah. back in the room. It's like an, it's like the lost in translation moment though. Remember how yeah. everyone used to try to figure yeah. out what she yeah, was supposed like, to Bill Murray at the end? Nothing. Yeah. yeah. But uh, but that's how that's how it ends with Sarah McLaughlin singing and and her Which in the song? back of a cab. Uh, I will remember you, obviously. Ooh. Now co-opted by Animal... Oh, no, that's Arms of the Angel. Forget that's me. Arms of the Angel. Uh, it's, it's called Felicity Was Here because she writes that in, in on her wall. Oh, It's good stuff. I do love yeah. that. And I also looked up the music and I was like, W.J. Snuffy Walden, yep, well, before he scored The West Wing, was scoring the first two seasons yep. of this show. Yep. And the yep. music's great. I, I love even like the song placements. I was like, yep. who are these people? That sounds like a little bit of Chibomato. That sounds like it could be the Sundays. Like it's very yep. cool. It's smart. And then she has like, there's a theme song in seasons three and four, apparently. Mm-hmm. A different I gotta, one. I gotta, I gotta just keep going. It. Yeah. You, it, I, I would highly recommend to keep going because it, you got a lot of good stuff in season two. They do a Twilight Zone episode, which is super fun. And they do a lot of stuff that's just a lot of fun with the show. Um, but it just takes me back in such a, in the middle of a quarantine nightmare to be. <laughs> transported back to those feelings right because yep. i feel like i definitely had like those kinds of dramatic turns in college and like love or what am i doing or like wanting to really impress the professor and like follow the thing that i went for government i wound up doing writing like i feel like i really relate to it and i relate to lilina pierce <laughs> again bring it back to reality bites i have to it's long. but i i'll it's say long. this too uh as a, as a as a quick thing, I do think it's interesting that this is one of the first shows that I ever really recognized um, a visual language that the show was setting. Yes, this idea of like those 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 pans out of darkness, um, just just the 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 yeah. visual component that Matt Reeves laid out for the show is really interesting. Yeah, uh, and, and the, I, the I don't think that a lot of shows he I mean, sits in close ups. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, and he sits in close ups and a really. And it doesn't feel like, oh, look, I'm in a close-up. It's just all of a sudden you realize how intimate you feel. Yep. You feel like you're right there with the characters in the room. Also, it's funny totally. because the, I watched the first four, most of which mm-hmm. were directed by Matt Reeves. And then I um, in 20, I'm like, it's the dude who did Dude, Where's My Car? Yep. He and would I'm direct like, oh, Jennifer Garner sense. in that. What? He directed Jennifer Garner in that. Oh, right. I didn't even think about that. I didn't even yeah. think about that. And like... It's so funny because I'm like, now that we've talked about this, I'm like, well, that makes sense that they, that he, they brought him in for something that, and either they brought him in for something they wanted to be physically comedic or it evolved in such a way. Mm-hmm. It's, it's Knowing absolutely true. About TV directing. It's, yeah. It's really interesting to see sort of, you know, how, so we had Lawrence Trilling on to talk about directing. Um, oh, wow directing this this uh this show he did 14 episodes of felicity it was the first tv show that he ever directed um and sort of talked about directing felicity and then directing jason Kadam's television shows as well and sort of the similarities between those things but it's just interesting to see how it feels like the directors were given a little bit more leeway on this show perhaps than in other shows it feels like they were given a little bit more of yeah. an ability to kind of um play with things at least that's sort of the 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 sense that I got a little bit from Lawrence, but they were also went him and Lawrence, him and JJ go way back. So it's also possible that he was given more leeway because of his friendship. Because of that. But, yeah. But it's, you know, this Felicity was the first thing JJ Abrams ever directed. The two parter that happened, uh, you know, in the middle of this season was the first thing he ever directed. So it's just oh, interesting with to see with the kid with, who comes, who stalks yeah. her. Okay. Yeah. So it's just, it's just, it's interesting to see how this show was a, so many people cut their teeth on this show yep. in ways that, that, you know, are, are surprising, but 
But um, thank you so much for coming on, Allison. I thank you for putting Felicity back in my life. I feel like it's <laughs> truly. It's like I'm. It's I'm in. The, I'm in Felicity third wave, and I'm a third wave Felicityist. I don't know. It's really. It's a really lovely show, and now yeah. more than ever, it just. It's just nice. <laughs> it's just nice it to feel nice when you're watching television. No, thank you for having me on and for letting me babble. Absolutely. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.